Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Get Off the Court sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Was that like old man get off my lawn? <laughs> That's exactly Was that what, what you were trying to? I, I'm not sure if you were trying Even to do kids that get not. off my court. Yeah, I mean... I, I wish, Evan, I told you, years ago when you and I were both working at Bloomberg and I was a columnist, just for fun, I, I, somebody stormed the court. It was like, it was like I don't know, like they beat the number nine team in the country or something. And I was like, there's got to be some rules. Like you have to train your columnist brain a little differently because I just in conversation was like, there's got to be some rules about yeah. this. So I was like, you know what? Okay, there's a column. I'm going to write a whole bunch of rules. Here are the rules that would permit the storming of the court. And uh, unfortunately, due to paywalls and this and that, or whatever, I can't find it. I just can't find it. I would love to go back and reference it. But I know beating – oh, yeah. Like if you were favored in the game, you are not – I know Duke is a name brand. Yeah. But if your team was favored, which means Las Vegas thinks you should win the game, you are not allowed to storm the court. And that is exactly what happened here. A, a team that was favored to win, the expected outcome happened. And still, those demon deaconers – Storm the court. I don't. Yeah, like the, the the news here for folks who who, who missed it, Duke uh, Duke star uh, Kyle Filipowski w- was injured after their loss at Wake Forest this week. Uh, as you said, weekend Wake Forest was favored to win the game. They did. Duke is ranked. Wake Forest is not. Call this an upset, depending on how you wanna how you wanna structure it. But um, this is the the latest example in in a slew of going back a long way um, players who have been hurt when, particularly in college, uh, college basketball and college football, when fans rush onto the court or, or field after big wins. And, and we just had the conversation with Caitlin Clark. I mean, this just happened where Caitlin Clark, the biggest star in men's or women's basketball, got got run over or bumped into or whatever you want to say when they stormed I, the court. I do think it's funny is not the right word. Ironic is not the right word either. But there, there's some sad commentary here that the, the most famous basketball college basketball player in the country can get hurt doing this. And there's a little bit of an outcry, but nothing really happens. And I would not, I would be surprised at this point if something doesn't actually happen in, in, in the yeah. wake of a Duke men's basketball player getting hurt uh, when, when the court gets stormed. And I don't know exactly what well, do you that think is. It's... Conferences have, have increased for both basketball and for football, have increased the fines that are assessed to teams when this happens. Um, I, who knows? if it, Can you even ban it, given just how hard it is in a basketball court? How would you stop that it, many it's people? Really, it's right? really difficult, right? Um, and, and it, basketball, how about this? We call populists. 
and we say, will the new design of college basketball facilities be pop-up moats? A metal gate. Yeah, no, 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 no. I want moats. I want a, I, I want moats with crocodiles. Like, let's go medieval on this. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. <laughs> you know, spikes that come through the ground. Yeah, really. Let, let's go medieval if we're going to do it. It's really hard. It is, it, is a, it is a part of the culture. It is, um, and I'll be honest, for, for me even, part. Of, I think it's cool in some ways, right? Like, I think it is, a, if you can do it properly, I think it is a really cool part of college sports that you of just course. don't see Had the Princeton sports. lightweight men's football team won even a single game, especially on the road, there would have been a storming oh, of the field. Let's be honest fans. about that. Uh, we did a whole bunch of uh, yeah, all of well, there was one. Did you see the one where some some little school won and like one guy was on the court like that? <laughs> that, that was shown. So you know, yeah, you would have been there. But yeah, it is it is a part of the game. Storm of the court is part of sure. the game. I get it. But now we say, can you stop it? Do you want to stop it? If you do, how do you do? How how much does it cost? Is it effective? How can you? How do we want to proceed? And then how do we implement those changes? One of the interesting things we've seen is, is particularly on the on the football side, but we may have seen this in basketball as well. Oftentimes when, when fans storm the court or just storm the field in football, goalposts get torn down, you get a fine from the conference. Schools have been crowdsourcing those fines. So they, they've asked fans in turn to pay for that. Money is never how the strong answer. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, yeah. But, but that just, I think to me, shows the way that schools think about it and also um, how fans and sometimes think about it, right? Is that they mm-hmm. a lot of people who storm the field then end up donating to, to, the, to the, the fund for, for Ole Miss or for Tennessee to, to pay the SEC fine or to get the new goalposts put in. The whole thing is going to need a, a, a kind of a re, redefining of the culture of storming the court. And I am not convinced that, that college sports leadership or college sports fans are in any way ready to have that conversation. And it will be fascinating, Scott, to see over the next few over the next few weeks or even days, is there a consensus on anything that is more stringent on what we have right now? How, how do you prevent this in the future? And then the second thing that I do think is important to mention here is 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 widening this not just from from college but to the pros. The proximity of fans to basketball players it is a wonder that we have only had a handful of really bad incidents in the past few few decades even in, in basketball courts about, about that relationship. And there, there's so much about, the, the, about that that's bad. And NBA players have talked about it. Um, I get it. But this one seems simple to me, but if yeah. I may. Because just the other day we had something where Kevin Durant was running out of the tunnel or something. And some fan yelled a certain word at him. And what did he do? He stopped, he turned around, and then he engaged in conversation. And I'm like, guys, at all athletes, you must ignore the crowd. <laughs> it's like, do not engage. Somebody throws something at you, there's a reason you have security and other things. I mean, literally, if somebody's on the court threatening you, I understand. Well, you have to take, you, may, yeah. you may need to take matters into your own hands. I got it. But do not engage like that. It's somebody says, somebody this, somebody throws don't engage it, it you just can't win that well thing. i'm making a distinction between obviously the verbal and, and physical right because i, I think that the challenge there the challenge i'm talking about is that like there is very little in an nba game to stop someone who's sitting close to courtside from running on the field and interacting with a player right yeah. and player in in the yep. course of natural gameplay it's not uncommon for them to interact with fans physically right and 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 that that can get messy there there's basketball has this one of the beauties of basketball is the proximity between fans and players and how close you can get to the action it's unlike any other major sport um but 
you, the, the the challenge to that is is this exact thing. And again, it's this is going to continue to be an option, whether a problem, an obstacle, whether it's it's fans storming the court, whether it's individual people running on the court, whether it's players who end up in in the stands. Um, this is not going to fix itself, and I and and it's a tough one to try to parse out because it's it's a part of the sport and it's a part of the culture. I, I think it'll all change once college basketball players are declared employees and, and he gets workers' comp because he was hurt when somebody That's stormed a great the point, court. Scott. Yeah, I hadn't yeah, thought about then, that. Then, then, then we've got to change yeah. then we gotta change yeah, things. Totally. Thank you. I'll bring the great stuff up at the end here when we're ready to move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, speaking of ready to move on, Evan Novi Williams, nobody is ready to move on from the MLB uniform oh my story. God. Which yeah. well I I'll praise you. Um, I, I called you genius recently. I mean, I'm not going to say you were genius on this one, but I will say that I read your story on sort of the, the smartest take now, just sort of, all right, let me scene set. Where are we? Why are we here? And how does it, so how does, how do all the parties, um, bear some portion of the blame, responsibility, whatever. You just sort of gave me this really good scene set about stuff in uniforms. I didn't know that it dated back. I had no idea some things were utilized or tested this much or whatever it was. I I was really interested to find out that the Players Association does not have final say on the uniforms, even though they are – it's an official licensed product. Because you know when the when the unions took back the group licensing rights, now if I'm a Fanatics or if I'm a Nike, I need to cut a check to the players' unions for the right to use the players and their likenesses, and I also need to cut a check to the leagues to use all the marks. So I still would have thought that the players would have had some sort of final okay over uniform, but we found out from Tony Clark when he told our colleague Barry Bloom, no, that's not the case. We don't. We we don't. That's between like Nike and Major League Baseball. So I learned a lot from the piece. But I don't see a lot changing. Like yeah. a lot of this, the complaints seem like this is stuff that you should have known a while ago. You're saying the pants were the same. Nothing has changed. We've utilized this before. So why don't you tell me sort of separate fact from fiction for people who didn't read your story. Separate fact from fiction and take me throughout the, the interested parties here and sort of just where they all stand right and this now. Is, this is such a fascinating sports business story with, with a lot of layers, Scott. So I'll start kind of way back at the beginning Nike uh, got the got the deal the the on field baseball deal back in 2018. It started on the field in 2020. Um, these new uniforms have been in the works for for all six of those years. From from the minute, from what I understand, from the minute Nike and Fanatics and Major League Baseball agreed to this three way deal, where Nike would design the uniforms, Fanatics would make them in the same factory that that that, that had been making baseball jerseys for 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 at least a decade prior. Um, Nike decided at some point we're going to redesign these uniforms, and uh, it took a, it took a while. They, they didn't redesign them immediately. That contract started in 2020. They they spent the first four years. It was supposed to be three, now four giving essentially the the same uniforms that players were getting, roughly the same uniforms players were getting for a while as they redesigned these. And then come now, they, they, they roll out the new ones. The, the major changes are uh, the, the, the jersey top is lighter. It's more breathable. It's more stretchy. It's slimmer cut as well. It's it's performance it's apparel performance now. apparel. Uh, it's slimmer cut, which led to, from what I understand, led to the smaller names and numbers on the back, which a lot of people, fans more than players, Players, I think, have been have been objecting to, um, and then on, on the pants, they changed the way that they're sized. Baseball. Everyone I've talked to claims that the 
that the pants are the same exact thickness and same exact material as in years past. Uh, other people online, at least fans, are pointing out that they look more see-through. Um, to me, Scott, the, the, the two things that jumped out to me in, in, in reporting a lot about this in the past week – one is that it's clear to me that nobody in the Fanatics, Nike, MLB world thinks there's a problem that needs dramatic fixing at this point. Um, Despite the public outroar, nobody thinks there's yes, a problem. The, 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 again, as, That's a problem. It's been, it's, been six, <laughs> it's been tested for six years. A lot of players have worn these jerseys and have commented on the jerseys and given feedback. Um, Nike designed exactly the jersey it wanted to design. Fanatics made exactly the jersey that Fanatic, that Nike wanted them to make, and Major League Baseball distributed to players exactly the uniform that they wanted to have designed and uh, manufactured to give to players. Sounds like everyone should be happy. <laughs> so I think a lot of people were really caught off guard by this. And, and one of the takeaways I have is I think it took way too long, and, and, and who knows who's to blame here, but it took too long to respond to this. The, it's been it's been two weeks since baseball players first got their hands on these uniforms and started talking about it. Fans ran ran wild on social media, taking photos, making jokes, creating memes. It became a viral thing for far too long before the companies, before baseball started actually talking about what had happened, what was changed, what wasn't. Um, and and as we say, I mean, there's that that adage that the rumors go halfway around the world before the truth puts its boots on. I think in some ways, like that's what that's kind of what happened here. I think that I think the story ran away from people who could have maybe educated both players and fans a little bit faster about what actually had changed and what hadn't. And then the last thing I'll say, I know I'm talking for a while here. Uh, we, we touched on it last last week in in, in the show. I think that the fanatics is getting a lot of the a lot of the hate here. It seems like and I talked to baseball about this on the record on Friday. Um, baseball feels very happy with the product that was delivered. They have no problem with what was manufactured by fanatics. I think what what fanatics is running into here is a lot of fans who feel like the fan gear largely made by fanatics in the past decade has gotten thinner material maybe feels a little cheaper they don't like the product that much and the fact that they saw baseball players professional athletes grappling with some of the same problems that they feel like they've had for years suddenly created this fire online where where the the virality and the humor and the mocking of it so that in itself is that not a problem for fanatics oh, I that think it was that that that, that, the, that this tinder lit so quickly it, it, look if you if you were a, an investor in fanatics yeah i think one of your one of your concerns certainly is the way that fanatics gets treated online cool. and 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 whether that is 10% deserved, 90% deserved. I think depending on where you are, you're going to have dramatically different feelings about that. But there is no question that whenever there is a uniform issue of some sort, whether it is fanatics doing or not, the the the, the general fan public on social media one assumes it is fanatics doing and two uh, blames fanatics for it. And and yeah, that's a tough that's a that's a tough hurdle to be in. This is part of this is 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 all monopolies, right? Have this that that when you are the the essentially the only person making uh, widespread fan gear in the U.S., um, there, there's probably any problem will be ascribed. Any to problem you. becomes ascribed to you, yeah. Um, but but it's definitely a fascinating undercurrent to Fanatics' business is that the the as they became the dominant maker, the largest seller of licensed sports. Uh, sports apparel in in the country and the world, yeah. There's a there there's a a dislike from a large subset of fans that comes alongside that. You and I like to say that 
every story is a sports business story. You just got to sure. sort of figure out. Like this was obvious when you're dealing with fanatics and Nike and Major League Baseball. Obviously, this is a sports business story. But I love – let's go back a little bit. If Can I rewind just sure. a little bit further? Like this should have been Under Armour creating these yeah. uniforms, but they, they backed out of the deal, right, as they did with many college teams as well. They, you know, they trimmed that marketing spend. That, that allowed, like, Nike to come in and for, for all these changes to happen, for people to go crazy that, oh, my God, there's going to be a swoosh on the pinstripes. Oh, my God. Whatever. But my favorite part of this whole thing is that very subtly, you know, uh, Under Armour puts out a post of baseball pants on Twitter that just said, you know, it was just a picture of baseball pants and we got you covered. <laughs> yeah. So here's the company that backs out of the deal, that it like sort of starts all this in motion, and now they're taking advantage of the fact that their competition is having a problem here. So every story is a sports business story. Every, every entity is looking to see how can we benefit from this? How do we chime in? Do we chime in? That UA took the chance to just kind of just put it out there. You know, wasn't in your face. Just by the way, we got you covered with like look like a thick baseball. Pants. Yeah, I think that that show perfectly highlights how much this got away yeah. from everybody. Right. That, that yeah. Under Armour's not taking pot shots at Nike on social media all the time. This just the, the, the humor around this ran so rampant that Under Armour obviously felt comfortable given the background that you just mentioned scott which maybe their social Oof. media director knows or doesn't know but yeah the, the fact that under armor is out there poking fun at nike saying we, we got you covered with our baseball pants i think shows just how much everybody lost the narrative on these new baseball uniforms um it, 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 it took too long to to, to to get responses together Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I will tell you when I take the focus group of one to the Dick Sporting Goods every new baseball season, and you know you go look at there, they do have Nike, but I will say the Under Armour baseball stuff is pretty ubiquitous. Like there, you know, it is. It's right there in your face, going, "Hey, here's here's all the stuff you need. You need gray. You need white. What do you need? There's everything you need." Yeah. So, so. so I mean, that, that's I think that is the big question. What is the fallout here for for the companies here? It's it's do fans want to buy these jerseys less, right? Which is going to hit. Nike, MLB, and Fanatics, because everybody shares in those economics, but primarily hits Fanatics. And then secondly, yeah, Nike's baseball a product that's not licensed, but the stuff that, 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 that kids are buying, that, that softball players and baseball players are buying, parents are buying for their children, um, does there somehow some lingering fallback on, on the headlines here for that product? And, and, and that, is the, that, to me, is the, is the bigger business implication, and it's way too early to know the answer to either of those questions right now. The only thing the baseball fan in me really wants to see is some team, please sign uh, Bartolo Colon to the shortest contract you possibly could, squeeze him into a medium and let him run on the field and take a, you know, take, take some pitches. Like that, that's what I, I want. I think Bartolo is still pitching. I, I could be wrong about that, but he's like the Yaramir Yager of baseball. He's just like playing in like the Curacao League or somewhere in South yeah, America. Huh? He's, uh, I believe that at least as of last year, he was still a professional baseball player in some capacity. Well, it sounds like to me, and here's going to be my good segue, and I'll let you take it and, and explain, but it sounds to me like, and you'll know where I'm going, somebody may be in the need for a rebrand. Mm. 
Not the easiest thing to do. You know, why do you rebrand? How do you rebrand? What does it cost? What are the risks? But we did see a professional sports team uh, in the middle of a season, right? But also with a, a clear eye toward the future, uh, rebranding uh, the, the logo and all. Um, and uh, there, there's a lot of study that goes into it. You tell me thumbs up or thumbs down for the Clippers of Los yeah. Angeles. Formerly, by the way, and if you, if you read our story from Jacob Feldman, um, Gillian uh, Zucker says, the president of the team, says like many, many fans have no idea like why they were called mm-hmm. the Clippers or that they came from San Diego. or you know, they, they, they just have no idea of the, like, the maritime influence on the team. Yeah, so the, for folks who have not seen them, the Clippers have rebranded logo-wise um, and including a, a boat, cl- including the Clipper ship on, on the logo now. Um, it, it, Jacob's story, which you, you referenced there, Scott, I think did a really good job of talking about the kind of the holistic and artistic a- approach to, to rebrands um, with a clear eye, as you said, towards the Intuit Dome, the, the, the two-plus billion dollar uh, arena that the, that the Clippers are currently building that is going to be, according to Steve Ballmer, the most tech-savvy, advanced uh, stadium arena um, in the world when it opens. Um, yeah, I think this is a fascinating look at, 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 at not just uniform design and not just logo design, but also kind of a, 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 I'm trying to think of the right word here the, the the clippers have a have a reputation and a brand that I think Balmer is trying to break from the history of the clippers right it's a, it's yeah, a, they were they're always, they're always like the you know the in, at least in LA the lakers are the platinum exactly. brand i mean that it's always sort of that little, little brother little sister Lovable thing loser yeah, type thing it, not just yeah, they haven't had a whole lot of exactly. success yeah. so I, I think that the i think it is smart to Try to hit the reset button in as many ways as possible. If you are Steve Ballmer's and if you're the Clippers heading into a brand new a season in a brand new building with a you know with with, with new uniforms and a new court logo and and who knows what else they're going to do. But the, the 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 Clippers have not had a ton of success on the court, um, and, and and that comes with a, a, a laughable kind of reputation, I think, in some ways off of it. And everything you can do to try to rid the 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 team of the of the old thing as you head into the new era, I think, is a smart. Maneuver. And we'll see. We'll see how much it works. I gotta think. Like Lob City was a thing for a while with the Clippers not long ago. I don't know. Somehow, some way, my wife. Don't ask me why. I think she liked when you know when Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson <laughs> did course. this on yeah, the court. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not kidding you. She would be sitting at like at home or like whatever. Something good would happen, and she'd like do this. <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you doing? She got a hat. So we went to. I think at the time, I'm trying to think of what the arena must have been like Brendan Byrne or whatever, Izod Center or whatever it was. I remember she was talking with Darius Miles getting a hat signed. I mean, I'm like, really? Nobody else cared. That's amazing. But yeah, she was, she was no, no pun intended, she was into it. <laughs> that's what I, um, when I think Clippers success, that's definitely that the, 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 the cue and Darius. It's not Miles Paul Silas in San Diego. Is that what you're not, telling me? It is not. No, and it's not even the more recent success that they've had, right? With, with Kawhi and Paul George and, and Blake Griffin and of, of the past, you know, 10 years. It's definitely the Quentin Richardson uh, era for me. All right, but let's go back to sports business. Remember when David Stern and the NBA took control of the Hornets? Yes. Do you, you remember? Do you you remember what David Stern did? Rebranded. No, 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 no. no. Much more impactful. I don't. He wouldn't. 
he wouldn't let a trade of Chris Paul. Oh, that go I do through. remember. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So that again, shaping franchises. Just again, every story, sports business. You may think it's you know basketball, but why? Because they had to take assume control of the franchise, which they later sold. So anyway, you know who else had success? Uh, that is college athletes. Uh, with, with a recent ruling in the courts, Mike McCann did a hell of a job. I say this is my new thing. Anytime there's a story where many outlets are covering it, and this is one that mainstream oh, yeah. outlets Huge. cover, sports business outlets cover. Anytime you have one of those stories that everybody's writing about it, it matters more than ever who you have sitting at the keyboard. And when we're talking NIL, I got to tell you, man, knowing that Mike McCann is piloting our ship, I'll go back to years ago when you'd say, "How do you? What do you think of the story?" I'm like, "I don't know. I got to read McCann. Then I'll know what I think about it." And that is true to this minute. Like he has an innate ability to make very complicated things easy to digest. So, um, in essence, court ruled that there can be no restrictions on NIL, and more importantly, like the one thing the NCAA could hang over the sort of Damocles, so to speak, they could hang over heads of, of athletes was that there could be retroactive punishment if and when this, you know, this was reversed or whatever. And the court took care of that too. said, no, 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 there can be. So in essence, it is open season, right? You can do whatever you want. You can pay for play. Come to my school. I'll give you money. That is a big deal and probably the death knell of the sign of all the, of the amateurism that we've This is a, a temporary injunction that was filed by a U.S. district judge in the uh, legal fight between Tennessee and the NCAA. The NCAA tried to hand out punishment for or investigating Tennessee for NIL violations and, and Tennessee responded uh, very litigiously and very quickly. Um, so this is not a, 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 a formal final ruling at all, but it is a, it is a big step and, and just another another kind of chink in the armor of the of the NCAA in terms of its uh, its business model and it's and it's it's holding on to amateurism it is there there is so many now antitrust lawsuits this one included but there's a number working their way through the courts we have the Dartmouth basketball team looking for looking looking for union status the 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 the, the end game here is, is is players employed by their university almost definitely in some capacity the, the interesting thing or ironic thing about the NIL stuff is so th- this ruling comes out last week suddenly the NCAA is barred from enforcing any of its third party NIL rules the the truth what changes in the aftermath here i think is is nothing because nobody was really respecting these rules in the first place you know i, I likened it on a call uh, earlier today scott that like th- this feels like if if new york said that jaywalking was suddenly allowed like would that change any new yorker's approach to to crossing the street no because nobody really thinks about that rule a- a- on the books as as being enforceable anyway so the 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 idea that 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 no one was being paid no no college athlete was being paid for as an inducement to attend a school because the NCAA did not allow it up until last week uh, is is laughable, right? It's fallacy. But, it's, but it it's, takes it's a lot false. of gray matter to kind of fake it. Like you know, now you don't. Have now to you don't it. even have to fake it. But I think the end result is I think a lot of people um, who are doing this kind of thing already, negotiating deals like this and facilitating deals like this, don't suddenly feel like anything changes because they were already pushing the boundaries right. of those rules to begin with. Right now, they just take out ads and say, "Come here <laughs> exactly, for ads." Like, exactly. Big big win for Neil yeah. Boudreaux. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, uh, Lionel Messi picking up where he left off. He scores levels a match late in the game. I, I, I love that. But big brands, by the way, Galaxy and Inter Miami. So Messi being Messi, but uh, within the last few days, and this astounds me, even for popular people. I haven't looked. What does Taylor Swift have? I don't even know. I'll look. But Messi has five hundred 
million Instagram followers joining, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo at that mark. I'm going to go look at like what Taylor Swift is right Taylor now. Taylor Swift is not in the but, top 10 because I'm looking at the top 10 no, right now. But that All right, so give me, give me some of the others. And think about that. When you have a deal where you know, the signups, Apple signups for the MLS subscription, you get a piece of that, and you can direct market to 500 million fervent followers, man, you know, I, I wish that – we got to get a, a little uh, – a line to Leo just says, "Oh, by the way, and sign up for it." You know, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mexico, me, me, that's good. You, you get your get your Apple. I want you to get your business out of the way, and then just an "Oh, by the way," you know, if if you're still reading and you have a moment, sign up for Sportico newsletters. Remind me uh, to do list. Put that to Leonel. The, the, the most followed people on Instagram. Number one is Cristiano Jesus. Ronaldo, six hundred and twenty-two million people. Six twenty-two. Messi, God. number two at, at the five hundred million that Scott mentioned. Uh, the, so let me ask yeah. you this: Who's follow? Who are the hundred and twenty-two million people that are following Ronaldo that are not following? Well, I'll Messi? give you. I have an idea of that because I, I read Kurt's story on this. I'll give you my theory. Let me hear it. Lionel Messi's Instagram following is 72% male. I, okay. I would bet that uh, the 122 million people that are following Cristiano and not Leo uh, may be a lot of women who view Cristiano as a sex symbol in a way that they do not view Lionel Messi. That's my, I was shocked by that number. 72% male uh, for Messi, uh, 85% under 34 years old. That doesn't really surprise me. Most countries with his biggest follower count, uh, Brazil is number one. India, number two, Argentina, number three, and then United States, number four. So th- th- those are some stats on, on Messi. To, to step back about the about the top 10, by the way, this is, I mean, it, this shouldn't surprise me, but it's still shocking to look at. These are the only two athletes in the top 10 most followed celebrities on Instagram, unless you count The Rock uh, as an athlete. He's number five. There are okay. one, two, three, four, four Kardashians on this list. <laughs> Kendall Jenner at ten, Khloe Kardashian at nine, Kim Kardashian. Can I tie at it seven, all together? Kylie by the way, Jenner Kim Car- Kim Kardashian tweeted, I think this morning or the other day, her son escorted Messi onto the field okay. for the Galaxy game. Wow. Right, right. I think that that's what it was. And by the way, good time for me to promote. That's when my son escorted Didier Drogba <laughs> yeah. when he played for Montreal. Anyway, yeah, four of the ten most followed celebrities on Instagram are from the same family. That is an incredible. Well, that's why they built an incredible business. The the other names on this list, Beyonce at eight, Ariana Grande at six, um, Selena Gomez at three. So that, that is your top. You could have given me all day and Sunday. I never would have come up with Ariana Grande being that high. 380 million. She's sandwiched between Kim Kardashian and Dwayne, the rock Johnson. And where's Taylor Swift? Not on the top 10. Um, so that, that, that baffle, how can, how can Ariana Grande be ahead of Taylor Swift? This is a sports business podcast, but I don't yeah, care. I'm going pop culture. Part of this, I think is, yeah, this is not our expertise. Part of this, I think is, is how much you actually care about Instagram, right? The more you do on Instagram, the more followers you're likely going to have. Secondly, I wouldn't be surprised if outside of the United States, Ariana Grande is as popular as, as, uh, as Taylor Swift is in, in places in Latin America, for example, or, or elsewhere around the world. Um, this, this, is, this is obviously because there's no other non-soccer players here. This is obviously a global, global platform that reflects your global stardom and not your stardom in the United States. I still would have thought Taylor Swift was bigger than Ariana Grande. Maybe she just doesn't value the platform. Our last question for you, you may, and you can just say, I don't know, and I'll look it up <laughs> and we'll bring it up next time. But what was the gender breakdown for Ronaldo? Well, this, I asked this, it's funny you say this, Scott. I asked this exact question to Kurt today. I don't know, but we're going to hopefully get the answer. 
He didn't put that he in. He didn't there? have it. I don't think. Oh come um, on! But yeah, I love Bodenhausen, but that's a fail. If, if Messi's following is seventy-two percent male, I have to believe Cristiano's following it is significantly more balanced on on male to female. I could be wrong about that, but hopefully we'll, well have an I'm answer to do, that question at some point soon in Sportico's pages. Oh, I gotta boost my numbers. What I'm gonna do is pull up my shorts really, really high and flex my thighs. That's what I'm gonna. That's that's the classic Cristiano pose, exactly. right? Exactly. Maybe he's all Vaselineed up. I don't know. Um, and lastly, I thought I loved this story. Uh, Antelope Valley NAIA school. In essence, the school was going belly up. They told the team, "We can't. We have no money. We're shutting down, and you can't go to the postseason." And forget it. We're not doing that. What do you do? You set up a GoFundMe, right? And they didn't get all the way there, but a company did come in to to uh, fill the gap. And Antelope Valley will indeed be participating in the basketball p- postseason. So, if you're big fans of Antelope Valley. Good for you because you're going to see your team. What, what a story, by the way. We don't have time to talk about it. the full thing, but NAIA school, so not part of the NCAA, but part of a, of a lower division. Um, school is going, yeah, they, they're, they're ceasing operations, in, physical in-person operations in the middle of the year, and both their men's and women's basketball teams are in first place and are, already have berths in the NAIA uh, season-ending tournament. So they're, they're, the, the coach's pay has been shifted to equity and the company that owns the university and they crowdsource the travel and the former founders of the university are now paying to keep the lights on in dorms so the, the players are still housed. It is, uh, it, there's, a, there's another company, Chegg, that is coming in to maybe also participate financially. There's a lot going on there, but a really fun yeah. little story coming out of Southern California. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, hey, let's write about this. This is kind of cool. Like, first of all, just Antelope Valley alone, I want to know more. Hopefully, we'll talk about uh, that more on a future episode. Uh, you can find Scott. Scott does not have 500 million followers on Twitter, but if you would like to uh, help him get there, you can find him at Sashnik. Uh, I also do not have 500 million, do- 500 million followers on Twitter. How many does <laughs> at Eben have? Hold on. I'm, you can keep going. I'm going to look uh, up but at you can add I'm to so my mad that you have yet Twitter to at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Aaron Karina Wald. Thank you very much to Aaron for everything at she Eben does. Uh, Cora Goldman, digital media editor, would like you to know Whoa. that you can follow the show Whoa. at Sportacast. Hold on. At Eben Official, 241.4 thousand. At Eben, not me. Yeah. This is at Eben Official. <laughs> we, wow. We Good get, for you, Eben Official. Who are you? Artist, yeah. producer, DJ. All right. There we in go. The wrong industry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub wow. of the Sportico Media Network.